0: I was an orphan lost at the fall Running away when I'd hear you call Father, you worked your will I had no righteousness of my own I had no right to draw near your throne Father, you love me still And in love before you lay the world's foundation, you predestined to adopt me as your own, you have raised me up so high above my station, I'm a child of God by grace and grace alone. left your home to seek out the lost. You knew the great and terrible cost, but Jesus, your face was set. I worked my fingers down to the bone, but nothing I did could ever atone. But Jesus, you paid my debt. By your blood I have redemption and salvation. Lord, you died that I might reap what you have sown. And you rose that I might be a new creation. I am born again by grace and grace alone. I was in darkness all of my life, I never knew the day from the night, Father you made me see. I swore I knew the way on my own, head full of rocks, a heart made of stone, the Spirit you moved in me. At your touch my sleeping spirit was awakened On my darkened heart the light of Christ has shone Called into a kingdom that cannot be shaken Heaven's citizen by grace and grace alone So I'll stand in faith by grace and grace alone. I will run the race by grace and grace alone. I will slay my sin by grace and grace alone. I will reach the end by grace and grace alone.
1: Amen. Oh Jesus, we praise your name this morning. We praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus, we lift your name up in this place. So far high above us yet you came down thank you Jesus thank you Jesus that before before the beginning of the foundation of the earth even you loved us your affection to Jesus just just in your heart just praise him if you want to speak out with words who he is to you just, just praise him, praise him
0: At the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high, your hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you are Christ, what a beautiful name it is, what a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ my King What a beautiful name it is Nothing compares to this What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus You didn't want even without us So, Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is Could not hold you, the veil tore before you, silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no rival have no equal now and forever god you reign yours is a kingdom yours is a glory yours is a name above all names what a powerful name it is what a powerful name it is of Jesus Christ my King what a powerful name it is nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is the name of Jesus you have no rival you have no equal now and forever God yours is the kingdom yours is the glory yours is the name above all names what a powerful name it is what a powerful name it is the name of jesus christ my king what a powerful name it is nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is the name of jesus what a powerful name it is the name of jesus what a powerful name it is the name of jesus So powerful, name. Oh, so powerful, name. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, a name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. who you are and fill me with your heart And leave me in your love to those around me Worthy Jesus, a name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you, Lord. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. die in your love to those around
1: me. That's our prayer this morning, Lord, that you lead us in your love to those around us. church would go out of these walls, just overtake Beggarville with your kingdom. Lives built on you, transformed by you.
0: The feet of Jesus, the greatness of His mercy and love at the feet of Jesus, and we cry. Oh,
1: sing that again, just um, the words there, it's we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. So all of us have authority in in our homes, in our lives, whatever we're doing. Authority in our jobs. So let's just sing that and just let's just lay those crowns, those places where we have authority at Jesus' feet. Let him take them because he wants to step into those places with us he wants to be here, everything I think it's almost hardest in those places that we we have the authority we have the control to, to kind of give it up and to let him in so let's just let's just sing that again and just as you're singing just think of your, your place as authority your
0: family and job we fall down we lay our crowns at the feet of jesus the greatness of his mercy and love at the feet of jesus and we cry, Holy, 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 and we cry, Holy, 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 and we cry, Holy, 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 holy is the Lamb. You're so
1: holy, Lord Jesus. We lay our crowns at your feet. We acknowledge you as our King. Acknowledge you as the Holy One. We submit to your throne. still.
0: Hide me now under your wings. Cover me within your mighty hand. When the oceans rise Know you are God
2: just thank you for picking up the broken pieces of our lives, the broken pieces of our hearts, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that when we were lost, you came seeking to find us. And We praise you and we worship you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, you have saved me. Hallelujah, you have saved me. Hallelujah, you have set us free. You have set us free. Hallelujah. Praise his name this morning. Praise his name. We worship you today, Lord. We choose to worship you and to lift you and exalt you on high, knowing that, Lord, as we lift you up, you will draw, you will draw all men unto yourself. May we do that, Lord, with our lives. May we do that, Lord, with everything that we are to point people to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much, worship team. You did such a great job this morning just leading us as we just connect with the, with the Lord this morning, the precious Holy Spirit. Welcome to worship, or excuse me, welcome to Maple Street this morning, and uh, obviously there's a few, quite a few folks that aren't with us this morning, but I'm pretty excited to uh, to dig in this morning to uh, to what I'm going to be bringing in just a few moments, and um, first of all, I just want to thank everyone that, uh, that came out yesterday. We weren't able to be here for the work bee, uh, our son Ethan, who's coming off the drums here. He had an umpire's course seminar, very important to his uh, pursuit of his first degree black belt in Taekwondo, and it was an all-day seminar. The, the instructor came up from Lethbridge to teach an all-day seminar to about twenty or or so students. And because my wife had been suffering uh, with with some dizziness and inner ear, she has this what the doctors have called a vestibular imbalance. And she's had that for probably a better part of roughly 15 years or so. And so she had a really bad dizziness on Friday, the worst she'd had for 13 years. And so after going to the doctor and getting everything all checked out, he actually discovered a lot of fluid in behind her ear. And so uh, I didn't want her behind the wheel of a vehicle down in the city with a second driver who was new and inexperienced in lots of traffic. So since I valued their lives, uh, I decided to, to be the designated driver yesterday. And that's what I was, designated driver. And uh, so we had to suffer it out uh, at uh, West Edmonton Mall as we waited for Ethan to, uh, to complete, which he did. He's got his Class D umpire what I don't even know what that really is I looked at it it's, and it, and it was a certificate of some sort it's pretty important to him so um, yeah so now he can if if you' if you're sparing with someone he can he can determine who wins so we can if you, you want to have a match here uh, at any time in the church and you know you're upset with someone we're talking about offenses on Tuesday night beta Satan by the way Bible study seven o'clock having a great time with that but if if you can't get past your offenses he can judge who wins so just Just keep that in mind. Yep, he can judge who who wins the fight. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you don't have to go and and do that, though. So just a few announcements this morning before we receive our our morning giving and and, uh, as we worship the Lord in that way, just want to, again, just a reminder on Tuesday nights, 7 o'clock, of the Beta Satan with John Bevere. Uh, We're learning lots of great things with that uh, series and um, just trusting the Lord uses that uh, to help us when it comes to dealing with offenses and, and uh, relationship health. Also tonight, of course, uh, is the uh, Heritage House Ministry at 6:30, and Sandy is the coordinator. So everyone is welcome uh, to attend that as well. And um, of course, we are we're still looking for for help with. Um, with our sound and our video, we're not going to cover everything, but you take that home and, and read all of that. And of course, uh, coming up on uh, the 17th of November, we do have pierogies and jam is going to be here. We're doing a gospel music night. I think 160s, 170 people were out at the Lutheran Church last year, and uh, so we're looking for some uh, some skilled folks. If I get involved in it, then they won't be skilled. So. Just to, yeah, so just to minister in song and, and to uh, get involved with the program. And if you're interested in doing that, uh, it would be great to have some representation from Maple Street again this year. We had, we had some last year. It would be great to have some uh, this year. Also, you'll notice in your bulletin, in what you received this morning, that there is a map. If I can just find mine here. There's a map and there is a, a little... It's a food bank canned food flyer distribution and collection map. You'll see that. And you'll notice that there's a canned food collection. And what we are looking to do is, and this is volunteer. This is volunteer. This is not, uh, there's no pressure on this. But if there, was a, if there was a group of folks that were interested, whoever might be interested in doing this, the idea is uh, Vegerville Alliance, some folks from Vagerville Alliance, and um, also from the Seventh-day Adventist Church and uh, looking to get a little team from Maple Street, that if we would be able to sometime between today and Wednesday, it would be at least good to do it two days in advance if we could, so probably by Monday. If we would be able to look at the map and say, Let, let's go through the community on that, that's on, laid out on the map, and just knock on some doors and just leave this flyer, letting people know that uh, we're doing a canned food collection to support the food bank. And if ever, everyone mostly knows that the food bank is, is run out of this building. And uh, there's a lot of great community organizations, um, such as our emergency services personnel, they, uh, and, and the, I think the fire hall. I'm, I'm not sure if they do that as well, but there's a number of community organizations that will put on a food drive. And uh, they will collect and they will deliver just tons of, of stuff. I mean, I've seen them coming in with, with, uh, with carts of eggs and bread and all kinds of wonderful stuff to keep the food bank uh, stocked up. And um, it is a vital service to the community. And so just want to give you the opportunity that if you're interested to get involved, and it doesn't have to be a big team it can just be a, a small team of three four five people whichever and uh, just to go on some knock on some doors in in the area that's been designated for our church and just to let people know that on wednesday evening at 5:30 we're going to be collecting some of those goods and, and bringing them back here to help out with the food bank so if that's something that the lord is speaking to you is on your heart just see me after the service and and we'll connect about that. And Who's doing the pickup? We're going to pick up what we had. The places that we go to, we're going to do the, the pickup and bring it back. Yeah, they're going to have bags ready for us. So. But also the Alliance Church and Seventh-day Adventist Church is going to bring some of the stuff as well. Yeah, Brad... Dar, Brad Dar is is the uh, he's coordinating this, and Brad is the pastor at the Seventh Day Adventist Church. He kind of was the one who kind of got the ball rolling on this. So, if anyone uh, who receives this at their door, you know, we drop it off to them. Um, if they have any questions, like what's this all about, or how do I know if this is authentic, or um, they can contact Brad. And Another, another question p- pertaining to the yeah it's really two things because we want to get it to in, in their hands in advance and to let them know that we're, we're doing this and we're going to collect so he's got a little team that's going out su- uh, this afternoon to drop off these flyers and, and to let people know and that would be so if you look on your map there's a map there of the food collection. And you can see where they have a section and the Alliance has a section and Maple Street Worship Center has a section that we can go to. And just to let you know, on, on Halloween night, the Mundare cadets are going to be storming the north side of town for a food bank collection. They couldn't do it, they couldn't coordinate it with us on the same night. But they're available to do it on the 31st of October. So they're going to be storming. That's part of the... We have all kinds of flyers. So if you get a bulletin this morning, you will have re- received a little flyer. And, and of course, if we need more, there are more uh, here at the church office. Tomorrow. Yep, so we need a team. So just to reiterate that, so if, if we wanted to do it, say, tomorrow on Monday, then we would just need a team to distribute the flyers tomorrow to let everybody know in that, in that section on that map. Then we can divide it up and hit different sides of the street and so on. And then what we can do is we could probably record all the different civic addresses that we delivered to and then just go by and pick up and let them know that if they can have a bag out for us, we can just pick it up. we could probably take it, yeah. Take what we can. So is that as clear as mud? If it's, if it's, if it's clear as mud, I bet that phone number, if you call Brad, he'll, he'll tell you, he'll get it all straightened out. If I'm wrong, it wouldn't be anything new. But this is about just doing a good deed in the I'm not 100% sure, Ryan. I'm not 100% sure. I know I was getting some emails back and forth, but uh, no. That's right. So if anyone is interested, just meet me afterwards, and we'll we'll coordinate it. We'll put it all together, and and we'll get her done. Does that make sense? And if we have any questions, we can always call Brad, and he'll give us the instructions, and we'll get it figured out together. And and so if you're interested, uh, we'll meet after... After service, okay. We're going to turn now to our uh, our morning tithe and offering, and as we uh, as we get ready for that, I just want to bring your attention to the bulletin, and on the back side of the bulletin, uh, you'll notice that there's financial information that is that is posted there, that is published there for everyone to be able to see, and if you notice the numbers there, we are. Significantly behind, uh, not only in our monthly budget, but also in our year-to-date uh, income. So, we just want to let you know that, and the important that it is that we uh, all pull together to, to to give and to support uh, the church and the ministry here. And uh, so, as we as we uh, move forward, we we definitely need to um, close some of the gap thank you so much for those who have been consistently giving and and if those uh, who are attending Maple Street Worship Center, if you haven't been given um, just make that a matter of prayer I know that uh, the Lord loves a cheerful giver and uh, we want to do our very best to to honor the Lord uh, with our tithe and our offering because not only does our tithe and offering come into this church just to keep things rolling but uh, we want to be able to be uh, uh, not just a worship center for us, but we want to be a ministry outpost. We want to be uh, moving into a place where uh, we have the resources, we have the uh, enablement to to be able to reach not just uh, even our community, but even beyond. And so we are a mission station. Amen? We are a mission station. And uh, when it comes to worldwide missions, just want to put this plug in, when it comes to missions around the world, um, it is the uh, work, collective work of approximately 1,100 churches in our fellowship that works together to support overseas and international missions. And so the more that we, the more that we are able to give, the more missionaries we can fund, the more we can send. And the, the, the truth is, is that there are still a lot of people in the 1040 window that have yet to receive the gospel. And, of course, with every generation that's born, it's a whole new generation that we're called to reach. And we are responsible for our generation. Amen? You believe that this morning? I'm going to ask Ed this morning if he would lead us.
3: As we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven opened, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams and visions angelic visitations declaration impartation and divine manifestations anointings giftings and calls positions and promotions provisions and resources to go to the nation's souls and more souls from every generation saved and set free carrying kingdom revival thank you father that as I join my value system to yours you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me so I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. And amen. And amen.
2: And I do believe our parent room is available for anyone that needs that.
3: We are um, still
2: in the process right now of uh, moving the children's ministry area, from the treehouse to a, a, a room that is on a, on the on the first floor here, just so that it is uh, convenient for for uh, for everyone to be able to access. So, just want to let you know that. Praise God. Amen. So, thank you as you uh, as we receive. Oh, yes, cannot forget that. We have a very special birthday happening right today. And we will celebrate with cake and ice cream at the end of the month. But we can't let this moment pass without singing happy birthday to our dear sister in the Lord, Vi Turco. And Vi because you're a lady and it, there is a protocol is it with your permission is it a, it, would it be a bad thing to let everyone know how many years young you are today okay she whispered to me so is this, is this okay to make this public knowledge she says she's 93 years young today So, we honor you this morning, Vi, and we are thankful for the many years the Lord has blessed you with. And so, we're going to sing, and Ryan's going to lead us off. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. And many more, right? Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Good stuff. 93. So if you get your Bible this morning, or I know some of you might have a device that you might access Scripture with, and, that, and that's fine too. But if you could turn to Matthew chapter um, 16 this morning. Matthew chapter 16. I'm, I'm really excited to get into this. And um, we're going to be looking at Jesus from a, a little different angle, just a, some some things that um, I want to bring out. But this morning, my uh, my message is sort of an introduction, really, in in some ways. But uh, this morning, I, I wanted to kind of start it off with, "Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am?" Matthew 16. And at verse 13, it says, "When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples." Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? So he's talking to his followers, and he asks the question, What about you? Who do you, as my disciples, say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, of course, we know that Jesus goes on to say that this was not something that he'd learned, but this was something that was revealed to him. And I think that Peter did a very good job. Wouldn't you say he did a pretty good job? Getting the answer right. So, Lord, we come this morning, and we recognize that, Father, that uh, every generation needs to tackle and, and, and wrestle with this question. And so we ask you today, Holy Spirit, that you'll help us as we explore this topic. As we explore this, especially in the coming weeks, as we look at who Jesus is. And as we look with some fresh eyes and we read these um, passages in in their original context. And we we see how it might play out today. We just ask, Lord, that you you would just begin to reveal afresh who Jesus is to our lives and our heart and our church and may it change us may it motivate us may it impact on how we represent you in the world in which we live right today in Jesus name and everyone said amen amen so we find that in this text that um, Jesus takes his disciples into Gentile territory about 120 miles or so from from Jerusalem and one of the things that if you did a little bit of background check you'll happen to know that in this region that there was a lot of similarities to our country today where Jesus took his disciples was a place that was multi-religious and we know right now that our nation is multi-religious we are not a Christian nation and some people might argue maybe we never really truly were. But we are a nation where Christianity is not the dominant, the dominant uh, worldview. We're also noticing that Wicca is on the rise. Islam is on the rise. Eastern mysticism is being weaved into, well, if you go to a store and you buy yourself a fitness magazine, You're going to find Eastern mysticism, even in the fitness magazine. You're going to find it on turning on your TV. You're going to get all these different sorts of philosophies and worldviews. And so Jesus takes his disciples into northern Palestine into a very similar sort of situation where Baal worship and Greek and Roman paganism had abounded. And yet it's really interesting that in the middle of this kind of a situation, this kind of a setting, that Jesus asks his disciples the question that I believe every generation needs to answer and to wrestle with. And that is, who do you say that I am? Now, I know when Peter made his answer, he made his statement, he said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. We all would, yeah, absolutely, Peter, you got it right. We're going to give you a brilliancy point on the chalkboard. We'd all agree. In fact, I don't think there's too many Christian traditions that wouldn't agree that Jesus was Messiah, that Jesus was the Son of God. Really, it sounds like it's pretty elementary, wouldn't you say, my dear Watson? As Sherlock would probably say. Now, interesting is, I don't know about you this morning, but I remember when my mom, when I was growing up, my mother especially before she came, became a Christian. I, I noted that my mother had a, 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 a bit of a bad temper. And my father was a real old softy. I don't know if anybody ever has that sort of a situation where some, you know one in your family is a little different and one parent's a little different than the other. But in my family, my mom was, was, had a little more of a temper. My, my, my dad was the, the softy. So if you wanted to ask somebody permission to do something, you always went to dad. Oh, yeah. I remember speaking to my brother, my oldest brother, just recently, and he always, he always said that, that's, that Dad was our safe place. He was our safe place. But one interesting thing is, that as time rolled on, my mother started to mellow out. My brother said that I was the fortunate one, because I was born 11 years his junior. He said, you were the the fortunate one, he said, because you had mom's good years. I had her worst. But as time went on, mom mellowed out, and I happened to notice that dad began to act a little more like mom. And so they started kind of looking more like each other as time went on. And it's interesting, some have said that the longer that we are in the faith, the more that Jesus begins to look like us. Mark Twain one time made the statement, he said that God made man in his image, and we have been returning the favor ever since. And really that's why that question of who do you say I am is an extremely important one. It's a vital one. Because I want to suggest this morning that if we don't get Jesus right, if we don't get Jesus right, if we fail to know who he is, if we fail to know who it is that we are endeavoring, and I use the word endeavoring because we, we sometimes fall forward, don't we? How many would say this morning that I'm perfect? Lift up your hand. You're perfect You're, None of us are perfect. So we're endeavoring to follow Jesus. We don't always get it right. We're endeavoring to follow him. But it's important to know who it is that we are endeavoring to follow, who it is that we are sharing with others, whether it be verbally or via our lives, because how many know that our lives are an epistle that are read by men? We represent someone. That's why the disciples would say, in Jesus' name, rise up and walk, Peter would say. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And there'll be numerous times, and you can trace this through the book of Acts, where they would do things and they would preach in the name of Jesus because they recognized they were not representing themselves, they were representing Him. So, it's very important that we get this right. Don't believe me? Well, Acts 11.26 tells us that Jesus' first disciples were called Christians rather than the way. They were called the way for quite some time at Antioch. And in the Greek, Christian or Christianos means little Christ. So it means that when people watch our lives, it is us who portray who Jesus is to them. Taking them a step backward, disciples means apprentice. And in those days, if you were a disciple of a rabbi and the rabbi died, what the, the disciple's function was to live on and to do the things that the rabbi did as though people would think that the rabbi never did die. But the rabbi lived on in you. And that's why this question is so, so important. Who do you say that I am? who do you say that I am? Because we don't want to have a community that rejects Jesus because we've never actually showed them who Jesus really is. It's a huge task. It's an important job. And folks, the church has been called to this very task of representing Jesus well. I don't know about you, but I remember growing up in Sunday school. Who, who went to Sunday school when you were a kid? You went to Sunday school, and I, when I went to Sunday school, there used to be a painting on the back wall. And there was, Jesus was there, and there was all kinds of sheep around him, and Jesus was holding this little lamb in his arms. And when I looked at Jesus, I saw this gentle, loving, and kind, and compassionate shepherd when I was little. Because we would go to Sunday school and we would sing songs like, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. So some of you remember that. Give yourself a hand. That's great. Yeah. And I just remember seeing Jesus on the flannel graphs. Anybody remember the flannel graphs? And They stick Jesus on the flannel graph. And you track what Jesus was doing as they moved Jesus about the the flannel graph. And he was on the flannel graph. He just seemed so loving and warm and welcoming. And then I got a little older and Jesus got a little crankier. He got a little more scary because on Sunday nights, I'm hearing stuff about the second coming of Jesus in the book of Revelation. And I'm hearing about the rapture and the Antichrist and all the plagues. And man, if you don't, if you don't live right, woo, look out, man. You're tribula- well, In fact, they said three and a half uh, years of good tribulation and three and a half years of bad tribulation. I scratched my head and thought, how in the world can you have three and a half years of good tribulation? But there were many nights I got saved at the altar Oh, yeah, I don't know how many nights we had. We, we, it, the, I mean, the altar was well used in our church. Every Sunday night, seemed like you were there, getting saved again. You wondered if Jesus was coming back through the clouds that very night. It's true. Then later on, I found that Jesus got not only, I mean, he, he got a little more judgmental, too. So he moved from being this gentle shepherd, one that was caring for the lambs to becoming very judgmental. And I remember hearing it from some of the people who had been in the faith a little longer than I had because they seemed to be pointing their finger at everything that was going wrong in the world. And it became an us versus them sort of posture. And you'd hear a lot of rhetoric coming from the pulpits. And you'd hear a lot of conversation among seasoned saints And it seemed like I might have had a little bit wrong in Sunday school. Maybe Jesus was more a finger pointer than he was a compassionate, caring shepherd. Portraits of Jesus. Then I go to youth convention. And all of a sudden now they're telling me that Jesus is my buddy. Jesus is my buddy, he's my bro, he's like my best dude, right? I'm hanging out with Jesus. And I'm think, I'm picturing in my mind that Jesus got high tops on and his hat's on backwards. Maybe he's wearing baggy jeans and some chains, I don't know. But it seemed like Jesus was now your buddy. Jesus looked like a rapper, I guess. All sorts of, I, I mentioned this just to say that there's all sorts of different portraits of Jesus. You've got you've got your politically conservative Jesus who's against you know, he's against guns. You've got a politically liberal Jesus who's more interested in hugging trees. You've got a Starbucks Jesus. He loves fair trade coffee. Yeah, you've got you've got I mean You know, you've got the red carpet Jesus. Have you ever noticed at the Grammys that everybody is giving praise to Jesus? Right? The Grammy Awards, at at all the Academy Awards, and you're thinking to yourself, wow, would would Jesus really sponsor the kind of lyrics that some people produce? Would Jesus really sponsor some of the things that you see on the silver screen? You've got Jesus Christ Superstar. Superstar. Then there was the Beatles Jesus, one guy said, who teaches everyone to give a piece of piece a chance. And there was the, you know, the, the yuppies Jesus, and, and, and a revolutionary Jesus. And you've got Jesus is a guru, and today you've got Jesus is my therapist. And Jesus is all about making me feel better. The reason I bring these, these things up and just mention some of these things it's because there's all kinds of portraits of Jesus out there. You know, you've even got the Westboro Baptist. I don't know if you know Westboro Baptist, but I remember that they were they were noted for the things that they were against. They had picket signs down in the states, in the southern states, saying that God hates gays. That's their portrait of Jesus. You've got the Jesus of the prosperity gospel who wears an Armani suit and drives a Lamborghini and has a $10 million mansion. I just don't know if that will work so well in, in, in Africa. Then, then I, I discovered as a Pentecostal that there was a legalistic Jesus. A legalistic Jesus. He's more concerned about the do's and the don'ts and the, and, and the places I went to. And then you, you've got the feminist Jesus. And and, I, and I, again, I say that because I remember one time when Jesus seemed like he was everywhere. He was on the front covers of magazines, at the grocery stores, in Coles Kohl's bookstore, you know, Indigo chapters. Every was all kinds of people had all sorts of ideas about who Jesus was. I remember one book that came out by a columnist for the Toronto Star, I believe it was, had, had wrote a book called The Pagan Christ, saying that Jesus was really... His origins were pagan. So there's all kinds of viewpoints out there. So when you mention Jesus to someone... ...who is either a believer or even an unbeliever... ...I want you to know you've already met up with preconceived ideas. They already have a portrait in their mind. They already have someone that they think is Jesus. Again, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever... You already have something formed in your mind. So getting Jesus right is so so important. And as I said before, unless we get Jesus right, we're going to struggle to show the community who he really is. We need to grasp how Jesus himself even engaged a highly antagonistic and highly pagan culture how did he do that how do we do that today how do we engage a pagan highly sinful antagonistic culture a culture that i just recently read about a government is trying the government in alberta is actually trying to force lgbtq etc cetera, etc cetera, ideology into Christian schools or else are going to shut them down. How do we respond to that? How do we respond? How do we live now in a country that has just recently legalized the recreational use of marijuana? How do we do that? How do we we navigate a society that is hostile toward the Christian faith? And I think the thing is that we the way we're going to find our clues is we're going to find it in how Jesus did it. Because we're going to find that if we go back, and I think the best place to start is to go into the gospels to find out, because I want you to know that there were sinners in Jesus' day. There was a culture that was pagan. There was a culture that was antagonistic. And the question is how did he treat them? How did he interact with them? What was his mission? What would a true follower of Jesus look like if we followed that template in 2018? And I, as I said before, I think the best place to start is by starting in the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You now, if you just to give you a little bit of background here, just for a few moments here, you'll know if you've done any homework on Matthew or Mark and Luke and John. But if you haven't, that's okay. I'm just going to give you the nuts and the bolts of it. First of all, Matthew—we have Matthew placed in our Protestant Bible at the first, probably Mark was written first. Others may have used Mark as a source to help round out their, their account. But Matthew, we'll start with Matthew. Matthew Matthew was written by a Jew to a Jewish, Jewish audience. And the reason why he was writing to the Jewish audience is he wanted to convince the Jews that, that Jesus was the fulfillment of their hopes. That he truly was the, the son of David. And that's why It's mentioned, Son of David, nine times, and that's why you'll find a genealogy at the very beginning. I know it's exciting reading to have a genealogy there. So-and-so beget so-and-so, and and -and so-and-so beget so-and-so. I know it's exciting, but it's there for a reason. Mark, as an example, wrote to Gentiles in Rome, and if you read Mark, it just seems like it goes from one action to another. Mark is an action guy. It would make a great action movie. Maybe they cast Arnold Schwarzenegger as Jesus. I don't know. But it's action. It's an action movie, as Arnold would say. And Jesus here is the servant. He's the servant who comes to do the Father's will, and he does it with great urgency. And Mark's favorite word, which we translate immediately, is mentioned 14 times when it's describing his activities. Luke is a... Is a Gentile. He's the only Gentile here, and he's writing, he's writing here his um, his apologetic to a guy by the name of Theophilus concerning the purpose of con- uh, conf- of confirming his faith. So he's trying to reach the Gentiles, and then you've got John, who is the son of Zebedee, and John's basic purpose was to offer evidence of certain signs which would prove that Jesus was the Son of God. So he argues very strongly for his deity. And John's record is characterized by signs and the work of signs by Jesus. And he talks about things like that I am the bread of life and I'm the light of the world and I'm the true vine. And and over and over there's power and there's an ability to heal and do all sorts of different things. But I don't know about you, but when I think of Jesus, one of the first things I thought of when I was when I was coming up in my faith, was that Jesus was the one who went to the cross to die for me. And I thought of Jesus as the Son of God. And I thought of Jesus as deity. So I would fit more in probably with with, uh, John's gospel. But I want you to know this morning that the gospel writers actually go to great lengths to show that Jesus was fully human. Not only is he deity, not only is he God in the flesh, but he was, in fact, fully human. In fact, incarnate means with meat on it. That's why I have chili con carne. So we get that, right? It's with meat. Chili con carne, so we get that word, incarnate. So this is, when we say God incarnate, it's God with meat, God with flesh. But I don't know about you, I used to really struggle with this. Because I remember back in high school, that there was a lady singer, her name was Joan Osborne. You remember that song that used to come on the radio and say, What if God was one of us? Right? What if God was one of us? Just a slob like one, a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home. And I took offense to that. I thought that was blasphemous. What do you mean, Just a, if, what if God was one of us? And I took real, a real offense to that slob part. Because it just didn't make sense that you could say that about Jesus. But I want you to know the gospel writers went to great lengths to say that Jesus was fully God. And he's fully man. Humanity. In fact, if we go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1 verses 1 to 4, and then verse 14, John writes this, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and the light. that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then in verse 14, it says this, The Word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the one, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So yes, Jesus is deity, but also Jesus became flesh. Now we usually save that for the Christmas story. We usually like to talk about that at Christmas. But, but John is, is saying that Jesus became flesh. As I mentioned before, Matthew opens up his gospel with a, with a genealogy to show that Jesus has a family tree, tracing his line all the way back to Adam and mentioning that Jesus was the son of David nine times. Luke fills in his historical de- details of what happens surrounding his birth to show Jesus is clearly fully man. He's humanity. Now, I want to start with that this morning, that Jesus is fully human. I want you to understand that Jesus got tummy aches. Jesus got headaches. I'm kind of imagining that if Jesus were running, playing in the street, and all of a sudden he fell down, I'm guessing that he probably skinned his knee. Jesus would have bled like you and I. But there's a comfort that I take in all this, and that is this, is that when John talks about the word becoming flesh, and we'll use that term incarnation, it means that Jesus understands the human condition. He understands us. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So when you're going through things, I want you to know Jesus understands, not just because he's God and he knows all things, but because he was tented in the same body, type of body, as you were tented in. He understands this world. Now we usually think of Jesus as, you know, in, in the white robe and, and he's kind of got the halo going and he's kind of, you know, the long hair is flowing, right? And, and, he's, and he's kind of floating, Six inches off the ground, because Jesus in our minds oftentimes is he's, he's deity. He's deity. But it's interesting that when you read the Gospels, that we find that Jesus' first coming into this world was not very easy. Wouldn't it be more appropriate if the Son of God was born in a palace? Don't you think it might have been a little more appropriate in our minds to think that the one who was in glory in the heavens and when stepped into earth would have been born in a palace? I mean, at least Herod probably thought that's where he went. Amen? Isn't that why he went to go look for him? In that location? You see, Jesus' first coming... Was, not, was anything but easy it was not royal, it was not extravagant no, the creator of the universe was laid in a feeding trough in a very humble surrounding born to a virgin and when we hear that Jesus was from Nazareth in Galilee it means very little to us today Jesus of Nazareth, okay that's just a place on the map somewhere in Galilee, big deal But you know something, to be, to be from Galilee meant you weren't from Judah. You see, Jesus was despised. Jesus knows what it's like to be despised. If you've got people who don't like you, I want you to know you're in good company when you're following Jesus, because Jesus was despised. man of sorrows esteemed him not so if you came from you see Jesus yeah Jesus was despised from the ruling elite simply because of where he came from Jesus basically was born on the wrong side of the tracks racially the area in the former kingdom of Israel had a mixed population stood in close proximity to pagan cities and and you didn't want to be a Jew going into pagan territory. You did not want to be a Jew going into pagan territory. You didn't even want to go into Samaritan territory. It was separated. Galilee was separated from Judah by the non-Jewish territory of Samaria and we know that the Jews hated Samaritans. So they would, like I said before, they would avoid it. Politically, it, was, it had been under separate administration, most of its history. Economically, it might have been better when it came to farming and, 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 and fishing. And so they became, it became... A, the, the, southern, the southern folks were envious of, of, their, of the economy there. Culturally, they weren't very sophisticated if you were from Galilee. Linguistically... They dropped their H's. They probably sounded more like Newfoundlanders. And you know how Newfoundlanders are treated by the rest of the mainlanders. They're the butt end of all the jokes. So if someone was from Newfoundland here, they kind of feel that they're from Galilee. Yeah. And religiously, those in the south, those elite from the south thought that they were more lax when it came to their proper observance of ritual. So this was not the right place to be born. This was not the right place to be from. So Jesus was on the wrong side of the tracks. So already he's got a, he's got a hard start. But he was also despised for another reason. He was despised because he was Mary's son. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Steve, is Mary's son? When we know he's the, born of the Virgin Mary and, you know, Mary the mother of God. And in some traditions, Mary is very much, very highly revered. But what do you mean? When Matthew 13, 30, 53 to 57, it says, When Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished, and said, where did this man get his wisdom? Remember, he's from Galilee. Where did this man get his wisdom? They shouldn't be very sophisticated. He's from Nazareth of Galilee. Where did he get his wisdom? And these mighty works. And then it says, is this not the carpenter's son? Is he not Mary's son? Ooh. And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? And where did this man get all these things? And it says, and they took offense at him. They took offense at him. In other words, they were saying to Jesus, who do you think you are coming and walking in here and blabbing all that stuff? Aren't you the carpenter's son? Just a menial worker? But let's make it even worse. Is he not Mary's son? Well, if you know your Bible well, you'll know the story Matthew tells us. You see, when in Luke, we get a little different picture because when Mary goes to Elizabeth, there's lots of joy and lots of celebration because of John the Baptist and Jesus' arrival, his, their anticipated birth. But when you go into Matthew, you'll know Joseph had discovered that the woman to whom he was betrothed to was with child. And it wasn't his. Stick your feet in Joseph's sandals for a moment. Stick your feet into some of the people that were living there and what they were talking about and what they were on the phone relaying. You wouldn't believe the juicy tidbit I just got. You know Mary. Yeah, you know that girl, Mary. Yeah, yeah, well, she's engaged to Joseph. Guess what? She's a He's expecting, and I hear it's not his, and I hear he's got some, yeah. It took an angel, folks. It took an angel to come and convince Joseph. What would we have been thinking about Jesus before he was even born? He was despised. He was born in the wrong side of the tracks, and he was, he was born to a woman. And nobody was wondering, like, who's the, who's the father of this child? We don't even know who the ch- the child's father is. Think about it for a moment. I remember when there was a day when if a young lady got pregnant out of wedlock, they were they were scooted off to live with Aunt So and so for a year or so and then they came back, right? Because they wanted to shield this this issue from the community. And I remember hearing stories of, of people who who got uh you know who were expecting a child and and uh you know the, the church the church began to mistreat them, call them names, point fingers at them. If you've been in, listen Jesus was despised and if you've ever been despised, if you've ever been called names if someone had ever put you down I want you to know that Jesus understands it. Jesus understands it. And when they said, is he not Mary's son? This wasn't just to identify his, who his mother This was a derogatory term. And there would have been rumors that would have circulated saying that he was an illegitimate child. I want you to know this morning that the good people of Nazareth could not get beyond Jesus' past when we look at that text, Matthew 13, when they took offense at him, they could not get past, beyond his past, to see the present. They were unable to see beyond what they knew about history to actually understand who Jesus really was. And I want to say this this morning, that there's some of us here this morning that we are unable at times to get beyond our own past. We are trapped by what God wants to freely give, forgive. I'm going to say that again. Some of us are unable to get beyond our own past. We get trapped by it. But I want you to know God is a God who freely forgives. and sets us free. And, and here's one thing I don't want you to do. I don't, want, I don't want you to hold yourself back, and I don't want what other people say of you to hold you back because your, your present and your future is not defined by that when you are a child of God. The past is in the past and the future is bright. Amen? Because he has good plans for you to give you a hope and a future. Don't let the, you be defined by your past. Jesus wasn't. Another thing we find about being despised is this it was because of the company he kept so he wasn't just born on the wrong side of the tracks it wasn't that he was considered an illegitimate child but also he was hanging it with the wrong people hello see I love I love getting into stuff like this because it just upsets the whole apple cart has Jesus is his floating six inches off the ground has he come back Has has he hit planet earth yet for you his company my mother always told me birds of a feather flock together you're known by the company you keep paul talks about how bad company corrupts good morals and that's true but i want you to know that jesus was despised because of the company he kept i want to ask you the question if jesus were here right now in Vigorville, 2018 where do you think he would be who would he be hanging out with Be downtown. Who would he be hanging out with right now? Who would he be hanging out with with through the week? Would it be the religious people? Would it be the people who say, Oh, you can't go to church unless you got a suit and tie on? Huh? And you got to do certain things a certain way, right? Because this is what it means to follow Jesus. You got to make sure that your shoes match your Bible. So make sure if you got black shoes, you got a black one. Don't get off uncoordinated. That's bad, right? No. No, not at all. Jesus was despised because of the company he kept. Matthew 11, 18 and 19. It says, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. This is Jesus saying, the Son of Man comes eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners ask you the question, how do you think Jesus got that label of a friend of tax collectors and sinners? How do you think he got the handle of being a glutton or a drunkard? How do you think he got that reputation? Who do you think he was hanging out with? All the people we were told to stay away from. Oh my goodness, did you see the pastor? He was hanging out with the biggest drug dealer in town. Huh? I seen him come out of an Alberta pub down on 50th Street Saturday night. Huh? Do you think that Jesus might be finding some of these people? I have a I have a I bet dollars to donuts. I'm not the bet, I'm not a betting man, but I bet dollars to donuts that Jesus would be hanging out with some people we'd be feeling very uncomfortable of chumming around with. And when I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. I am. I, this is this is on my my toes are feeling it right now. He was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He hung out in a lot of places that we would never go. And in fact, I was told not to go. I was told not to hang around with certain people because of the bad influence. And I remember when I was a young person going to youth rallies, it was told a lot of times, and they and they would uh, they would get you to uh, do this illustration. A person would be on the chair. One person would be up on the chair, and one person would be down on the floor. And they would they would do a polling contest and they would say, What what is easier to pull someone up or pull someone down? And what do you think the answer is? It was always easier to pull them down. So with an analogy, the, the, the point was simply this is that if you're hanging out with people that can pull you down, you, you better not do that. Stay away from them. Build a bunker. Hide in a hole. Right? Close the blinds. Wait till Jesus comes. Hold the fort, for I am coming. And how many know that's the posture of many Christians? They just build they, they build, they reinforce the walls, and they isolate themselves from the rest of the world because they're afraid of the world. And the world is changing so rapidly, and we're more fearful than we ever have been. And it's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any better. But I want you to know that Jesus didn't fear. The culture that he was in. Jesus didn't fear the sinners. He didn't fear the tax collectors. He didn't fear the prostitutes. He, didn't, he wouldn't fear today, if he were here today, the drug addicts. He wouldn't fear them, no. In fact, the gospel writers give us a clue that likely that's who Jesus would be with. But we, but we hold the thing you know by the company you keep pretty close, and that sometimes keeps us away. Now you probably never heard of this island, but there was an island. There was an island in in the state of Hawaii, and back in the 1800s, on the island there was there was a, a, an outbreak of leprosy. And leprosy was horrible. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures on anywhere of what leprosy does, but it just totally disfigures people. People lose feet, you know, hands and, and feet and toes and all, and people will lose their, their, their noses will be sunk in and their faces. It's, it's a horrible disease, horrible. And they decided that in order to keep that disease at bay and from spreading and creating a far-wide epidemic, that, they, that the government would send lepers to a colony on that island so that what they would do is they would seclude them, they would be isolated, they'd be quarantined so that they couldn't spread the, the disease. And there was a Catholic priest, his name was Father Damien, and in 1873, he put his hand up and he answered the call to go, voluntarily, to go to spend the rest of his life on that secluded island. And when he got there, he was startled to see that not only were people suffering physically, but they were suffering socially, emotionally, and they were suffering spiritually. And in that colony of lepers, he saw extreme drunkenness, he saw immorality, he saw abuse, he saw an overall sense of hopelessness, and he saw there are people who were so desperately needing to you know the answer to the question of where is God in all of this? Where is God? They're suffering. Where is God? And so in 1873, Father Damien went and he lived with 700 lepers, despite knowing the dangers of doing so. And he knew what the inevitable results were going to be, with so much personal contact. But while he was there, he built hospitals, clinics, churches, and he built some 600 coffins. And the whole while he was giving them, as he was doing this, he was giving them an answer to to the question, where is God? Because whenever there was a church service that was held, he would stand up in the front, Amongst all these lepers, he would warmly and, and lovingly address them, and you know what he would call them? He say he would call them my dear brethren. My dear brethren. But then at the age of forty five, in a calm, clear voice instead of brethren, he said, My fellow lepers, I am now one of you. As I was going call the worship team back this morning. I don't know, I see a little Jesus in this priest. I see, see a little bit of Jesus in this priest. I see someone who is willing to humble themselves and to say, I'll go. I'll go and I will live among them. I will go even at the risk of catching what they got. And the only way that Father Damien could answer the question, where is God, was by becoming one of them. And as we stand this morning, and we think about the question, who do you say that I am? We've come to the conclusion that Jesus was indeed Human like we are. And because of his, his humanity, he knows what it's like to be despised, because of the location in which he was born in. He knows this morning what it's like to be insulted. He knows what it's like this morning to hang out with those that are in need. And I want to challenge us this morning that if we're going to be like Jesus, if we're going to know him, because this is, what the, this is part of what the Gospels is telling us, and if we're going to represent if we're going to be like him, we cannot isolate ourselves from those lepers, and I put that in quotations that are, that are around us. To be just like Jesus father damien had to go to where they were to live among those who were sick and that's what jesus did for us folks he stepped out of the glories of heaven he came to a sin cursed world that really didn't want him why so that he could seek and he could save that which was lost. The son of man didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, Father Damien became a leper to reach lepers. Jesus became a human being to save humanity. And for us, as we think about the conclusion of this service, and we think about going out of these walls, we ask ourselves the question this week, what does it mean to be like Jesus? Well, I want you to know to be like Jesus means that you take the humanity that God has given you as a gift and you recognize he's put you in flesh, he's given you two feet in a heartbeat, he's given you two hands, He's given you the body you have. Why? Because there's people that need a touch. There's people that need a hand. There's people that need some arms wrapped around them. There's some people that need someone's feet to go to them to offer them love and to offer them hope and to offer them the truth. I want you to know that God has put a tongue in your mouth not so that you can gossip about your neighbor but that you can gossip about the goodness of Jesus to those who need to hear Him and to come to Him and embrace Him. You see, we need to begin like Jesus to put our arms around and to befriend those who were lost and broken. Because I want you to know that that that's who Jesus, where he went. Because Jesus came for those who were absolutely desperate and broken. And so when someone asks you, who is this Jesus that you serve? And you think back to this sermon, you think back to a Jesus who put his arms around the sick and healed them. You, put, you think about a Jesus who hung out with the drunkards and the gluttons and the tax collectors who, who embraced the prostitute, the people who we would call the outcasts of society. That's where Jesus, when he went to the edges jesus lived on the edge can i ask us this morning will we are we willing to do that today are we willing to be like jesus to give our lives for the sake of others this morning that's my challenge to us this morning that's my challenge can we sing that song um oh my goodness it's on our you you sang it this morning what's your list? I got to look at your list. I had it in my head and I lost it. Build my life. That's it. That's it. Build my life. And if you're here this morning, I see, well, actually you are. If 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 you're here, you're here. (laughs) Who who wants to lift their hand this morning and say, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like the Jesus that we're looking at in the gospels. That's the Jesus I want to be like. I don't want to be like the Jesus that I've formed in my mind. I don't want to be like the Jesus that somebody else is, is trying to project on my life. I want to be the Jesus whom the four evangelists witnessed to. I want to be the Jesus who embraces the lost. And I want you to know he does. And he went to them. And you're going to see how intentional. We're going to see some of these, these uh, passages of Scripture that... It's probably going to make you scratch your head at times. But I want you to know that's that's the Jesus in whom we serve. And so to be like Jesus is to be someone who embraces quote-unquote the leper, identifies with them so that they can rescue them. If you're here this morning and you lifted your hand, let's just make this a prayer this morning. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, the Jesus I've been talking about this morning, I want you to know that he loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done in your, in your past. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your name. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. Jesus loves you, and he wants you to know him in a personal way. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, as the one in whom you're living for, you want to lift your hand this morning just because I just want to pray for you. I, I see a hand go up. I just want to pray. And and maybe some of us this morning might say, boy, I've, I've kind of gotten Jesus a little bit wrong, but I'm, I'm seeing something a little bit more clearly now. And if that's you, you can lift your hand up. We're going to pray together. Just going to pray, and then we're going to sing together, make this a prayer. Father, we come this morning, and we ask, Lord, uh, just as Paul prayed that Christ would be formed in us, we pray this morning, Jesus, that... That you would continue the work that you've started by your Spirit to form us and to mold us into this, in, into your image. That we will know you, we'll reflect you, we will represent you well, and we, Lord, will follow you in your footsteps. We will see the things that you did, the places that you went to, the that the people who you minister to, how you minister to them, all those things, God, we pray that you will form us, not just individually, but you will form and you will shape this community into people that when people read the Gospels and they look at this church, they'll say, wow, that church looks like Jesus. We ask, Holy Spirit, that as we open ourselves up to your leading and your guiding and to your voice, and your revelation and your direction. We ask that you will move us in that direction. Help us to yield to you. Help us to be open to you. We pray. May we move together as a body in this direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. worthy of every song we could ever sing and as we're singing this morning if there's anyone that has worthy a special need of all the you need prayer pray. for whatever issue it might be it could be your health it could be a family worthy member whatever it is if you, if you need prayer this ever altar's ever open breathe. and we'll meet let you here and we'll pray with you so just want to let you know that Amen
0: you, open Open up my eyes. eyes in wonder and show
2: With every head bowed just for a few moments and every eye closed. If you could just do this. I really feel led to um, just ask this question because as as I've been experiencing some things, I, I began to realize that there's areas of my heart that God still needs, needs to deal with. Because it's one thing about theory, it's another thing about practice. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just, just for a moment. You know, even though we're Christians, even though we're endeavoring to follow Jesus, I want you to know that there's, there, can be, there can be prejudices in our hearts toward people. The church for a long time has had a posture of finger-pointing. And in, in so doing, we set ourselves up more like the Pharisees than Jesus. And there's times when we can see people in a certain, certain uh, circumstance or in a lifestyle choice. And I don't know about you, but the question is, is do we feel compassion or do we feel anger? And I just want to challenge us this morning to think that if, if we if we bristle, if we feel angry, then I believe that there's some prejudices in our heart that God's going to change. Because if that's in our hearts, there's no, it's, it's, it's going to be very difficult for us to be able to put our arms around people and love them. So if you're here this morning and you, you would be honest before the Lord and say, God, there, I have some prejudices in my heart that you need to deal with. Because I'm not ready. I'm not ready to put my arms around. I'm not ready to go to people like Jesus did with intention and love and compassion and mercy to minister to them because just something makes me not want to even be around them. When I think about the situations and the lifestyles and all that, I, I just can't go there. But Lord, I know you need to change my heart. And if that's you this morning, I, I, I'm, I, my hand is up. I just want to admit that, that there's things that God needs to continue to work on my own life. And if that's you this morning, and, and you just want to lift your hand and say, Lord, here I am, this is me. This is me, I, and, and I know that you, in order for me to be able to truly do what you did, I need you, Lord, to change my heart. To change my heart. And I, here I am, Lord, with my hand raised. Here I am, and, and I'm asking you to change my heart, Lord. Break my heart for them. Take away all the prejudice. Take away all the, the spiritual pride. Take away all that stuff. Just wash it away, Lord. Into the deepest and darkest corridors. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the one with the religious long nose looking down at people, thinking I'm better than they are because I'm nothing without your grace. I'm nothing, I'm nothing for I am nothing without your righteousness if it were not for your righteousness and your salvation, who would I be? I'd be no different. So Lord, change our hearts. Change our hearts. Change my heart. I pray, Lord, that you baptize us afresh with with the love of God that embodied Jesus and, and how he demonstrated that love over and over and over again, even though they despised him, even though they mocked him, even though they ridiculed, he still loved. So, Lord, change our hearts. Change our hearts. Do a work that's deep, Lord. Do a work that's deep. And I will build my life I build my life upon your love, yes, your love, Lord, is a firm foundation.
4: Okay,. Um. Just the last thing that Pastor said. just seeing my heart um, just for the reality of where it's at that it's hard and it's crusty and that I don't have the love that I need to demonstrate Jesus and so I've just been after the Lord like how do I do this and he just says just keep, keep running into the light Just keep exposing yourself. Just keep showing people just a posture of like, I'm sorry I did it wrong again. I'm sorry. And just asking the Holy Spirit just to invade my heart. And so... God, I just say thank you for exposing me today and that I can just stand here and just tell the truth that my heart is crusty and hard. And God, I just ask you to break off um, just an independent spirit self-protection because it hurts. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to invade our hearts right now. We just run to the cross and we say, you're the only one you're the only one that can change a heart you're the only one that can draw one to yourself you're the only one and so I just receive your forgiveness for the prejudices of my heart and for the lack of love And I trust you. I trust you, God, that you're transforming us. You're transforming us. You're giving us love, crazy love, to deal with the issues of today and to show, to show Vegreville, to show our families, to show the world who you, who you truly are. And so in that place, in the light, God, I just release your healing. I just release um, a shift of mindsets. just release peace and trust and just release humility (laughs) that I might need to ask for forgiveness over and over and over
5: and over
4: And so I just celebrate that. I celebrate that. Today I just celebrate that you're so good. And in that I just get fired up that you can do anything. situation and turn it into the most beautiful thing and so I release that I release that I release faith I release faith I release faith I release faith just to get back up again and just receive your forgiveness and receive your love Get back up again. I just release tenacity. I just release the tenacity just to keep trusting you and just to keep it getting back up again. Just to keep believing. Keep eating your word and believing and declaring and praising and worshiping and forgiving. as in defense.
1: free to go. We're just going to play one more song as you guys are going out. To, if anybody wants to sit in that for a while, they can.
0: Oh, how I need your grace More than my words can say Jesus, I come Jesus, I come my weaknesses. You are my confidence. Jesus, I come. Jesus, I come. I will rise, stand Jesus I come Jesus I come In every broken place You are my righteousness Jesus I come Jesus I come I will rise i